You're listening to Sphera Now, a podcast for environmental health, safety, and quality professionals around the globe. This is brought to you by Sphera, the largest global provider of integrated risk management software and information services with a focus on environmental health and safety, operational risk, and product stewardship. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Sphere Now podcast. I'm James Tarani, Sparks Editor-in-Chief. Today, I'll be speaking with Dr. Chuck Gerba, also known as Dr. Germ, who is a professor of environmental science at the University of Arizona, as well as a professor of microbiology and immunology. He is an expert on pathogen detection in water, food, household items, and risk assessment. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Gerba. Um, nice to talk to you. So, Obviously, there's a lot of concerns and there's a lot of um, information and misinformation out there about this coronavirus, COVID-19. So what are your biggest concerns at this time? Uh, well, I, I, I'm concerned, yeah, that there, there might be uh, misinformation and that out there a lot. Actually, a lot is known about the uh, spread of viruses, respiratory viruses like this uh, virus uh, and other coronaviruses. Most people don't realize that uh, coronaviruses cause about 5 to 7% of the common colds every year in the United States. Uh, and, and but they don't cause any mortality as associated with that. So we do know uh, at least the basics of how, how coronaviruses spread through the environment and their survival uh, and their seasonality. So we're hoping that this new coronavirus we discovered uh, follows the same pattern uh, so that we can better predict um, people's exposures and, uh, to the virus and control their exposures. So what exactly is the difference between this one versus, for example, when SARS happened in 2002 and there's been uh, swine flu as well, and I'm sure there's been others that have been uh, deadly viruses out there, but this one seems different. Is it just, is social media the difference here that there's just more information out there? Uh, no, I think the, the new uh, coronavirus is behaving much more like uh, influenza in the uh, more common coronaviruses that cause the colds and that, rather than SARS or MERS, which was the Middle Eastern respiratory uh, uh, virus. Uh, the, the SARS virus particularly didn't survive well in the environment, apparently in aerosols and on surfaces, uh, and it probably more limited its spread. The other possibility is that it takes fewer of this new coronavirus to cause an infection in that. Um, so we're seeing a virus that is more typical of uh, respiratory viruses in, in the wintertime uh, than, than we did with the, the SARS virus, now, which you had to be fairly close to an individual to actually get the SARS virus. This new coronavirus seems to be able to persist maybe a longer time in aerosols and on surfaces, which is more conducive to its transmission. Okay, so... Obviously, there's a lot of people who are working from home, and there's a lot of students who are home these days. So just for people who are around the house, what are some of the areas that are most concerning to you in terms of spreading um, this virus that maybe need to be cleaned more than others? 
Uh, yeah, we've done a number of studies on how viruses spread in households on surfaces in particular and how to control it. Um, probably the, the best strategy, let me tell you right away, is when you're in our home, uh, wash your hands or use a hand sanitizer as soon as you come home so you avoid spreading the virus around the home. Because we've seen if a person has a virus on their hands, it will eventually, in a household of four, contaminate about 90% of the surfaces within about four hours. And those are 90%? 90% because of the activity wow. of people moving around the household. You're really touching more surfaces than you think in a household. Uh, the other control points, usually where we find a lot of the viruses on tabletops, countertop surfaces, because that's where your hands are all the time, or high-touch areas like the refrigerator door handle, for example. Is uh, and in in the bathroom area, it tends to be the taps and the bar soap, and then you get the virus on uh, cloth towels, which tend to be reused. So that helps mm-hmm. spread the virus uh, around the household too. That's why if you can, try to use a liquid hand soap. Uh, that's why you don't see bar soap in, in public places because bar soap is believed to play a role in potentially transmitting microorganisms. And if you're using uh, towels to dry your hands, cloth towels, uh, don't share them among individuals and try to wash them uh, every two to three days in hot water and dry for at least 45 minutes because they tend to uh, accumulate organisms because they stay wet and moist. So um, even bacteria will will grow in in towels because of the the moisture in that. Do you recommend people use paper towels instead? Yeah, if you can, I would use a paper towel and then you you throw it away. And the same thing if you're cleaning your house and that, try to use disinfecting wipes because then you throw it away. If you use a spray and wipe, make sure you read the instructions on the disinfectant. Usually for for most common ones used in a household, you have to wait two to 10 minutes. So spray the surface, wait the amount of time it says uh, with the, on the bottle of this, in fact, and then wipe it up. Most people just spray and wipe it up right away, and, and that, that's not as effective as letting the disinfectant have time to act. Now, if you have bleach, usually 30 seconds is all you need with bleach. It's a very rapid-acting disinfectant. Unfortunately, okay. it's more damaging the surfaces. I was going to ask you, though, obviously there's a shortage of disinfectant wipes out there. Uh, a lot of people are buying them up. So what would be an alternative that people can use that they might already have in their household? Well, bleach would be your first alternative. Any bleach uh, that you might have in your household, you might use for laundry purposes, for example, that can be diluted um, to to, uh, use in the home. Uh, so that's one of your first substitutes that you could use. Spray and wipe disinfectants will work uh, oftentimes. Read the label. If it usually has bleach in it, a lot of spray products might have bleach or even uh, some bleach substitutes uh, like used in laundry uh, can be used potentially. They contain a non-bleach disinfectant actually uh, that the can be used. Uh, They're not usually advertised for that purpose or registered for that purpose, but in our studies, things that contain oxidizing bleach like percarbonate, um, like Clorox, who I'll give you a name of uh, one, um, that actually we have found is is effective in bleach. It's not registered, I mean, is is effective in bleach against viruses, although it's, it's not registered for that purpose as a disinfectant. It will work, though. Okay. And then 
for the people who are still going into work, uh, not obviously not every workplace is closed. What can uh, companies do to help prevent the spread of virus if uh, workers are still coming in to say a restaurant or something like that? Well, we've done studies uh, in office buildings on how viruses spread. We put virus tracers on push plates and doorknobs to office buildings of about 80 people. And within four hours, uh, about half the people have the virus on their hand in that building and the surfaces. It spreads very fast. Um, and But we've done intervention. We found that risk of that spread can be reduced by 80% or more uh, if you provide your employees with hand sanitizers and disinfecting uh, wipes uh, work quite well. Uh, in the coffee break room, I'd recommend a, a, a hand sanitizer dispenser. That worked very well in our studies. Um, so something like that, usually janitorial crews or custodial crews will have a lot of these disinfectants. I think one thing to emphasize too is what we've learned is the coffee break rooms and conference rooms, the tabletop should really be disinfected, if nothing else, by the custodial crews, maybe a couple of times per day, because that seemed to do a lot in reducing the spread of the viruses in an office building. Can you tell me a little bit about that technology you just mentioned about uh, tracking the spread of a virus? That's I've never heard of that. How does that work? Yeah, what we've done is use bacterial viruses, um, which don't infect the human beings or animals. Uh, they don't cause illness, uh, unlike a push plate to a building. And then uh, we'll come back four hours later and test the surfaces like tabletops, desktops, phones, and people's hands and see how that virus spread. So usually, both in the home, a home is more affected because I think it's a smaller area, and if you have children are very active. Within four hours, uh, a lot of those, well, over half the surfaces are usually contaminated. Now, we've gone in and repeated those experiments, but giving people hand sanitizer and disinfecting wipes. And we found at least in an office building, you'd reduce your probability of getting influenza uh, by 80% if, if you actually use those types of products. Okay. So what are your thoughts on the efforts so far to flatten the curve? Do you feel like we're on, in the right direction with the steps that have already been taken? Yeah, I think the steps that have been taken, uh, you know, staying home, social separation of individuals uh, will we'll go a long way. It seemed to um, work in China, so uh, so it's hopefully that uh, the same strategy will work here in the United States and in other countries. Okay, and what technologies um, have evolved maybe in the last five, ten years to help scientists um, not only uh, monitor uh, these type of um, outbreaks, but also to help uh, to help stop them as well. Uh, yeah, I think the biggest innovations have been in the molecular biology area where we can have rapid tests for the detecting of these agents, uh, uh, both in clinical situations and in the environment, too. Uh, so that's gone a long way of our ability to trace these types of infections and find individuals who are infected. I think in infection control, the next step is really uh, – uh, self-disinfecting surfaces or continuously acting disinfecting surfaces like copper is used in hospitals because it's very antimicrobial and you if you have copper surfaces uh, it will kill viruses uh, and there's new types of paints and that being developed in sprays you can put on surface that would continually 
kill uh, the viruses. So if a virus lands on that surface, it would be inactivated. Uh, that way you don't have to depend on continually wiping and disinfecting surfaces off. So it's my hope that that type of technology will go a long way in reducing the spread of the viruses like this new coronavirus. And I understand that you're working on uh, a long-lasting disinfectant. Did I read that correctly? Yes, we're working on, we've been working several years, largely aimed at use in hospitals to reduce hospital uh, transmitted infections and evaluating the treatment of surfaces um, or use of surfaces with silver and copper of them. They would in, continuously act to inactivate and kill uh, viruses and bacteria because uh, we feel that's really the next uh, stage in our ability to try to control uh, transmission infections through the environment. Do you know any, are you aware of artificial intelligence or machine learning being involved in the uh, vaccine process? Because it seems to me like with all the technology we have at our disposal today, that, that, that would be the best way to come up with a vaccine quickly. Uh, yeah, you know, that's just being developed, artificial intelligence for that application, and I, I've heard it's potentially being used for that. Of course, there's the thing of developing the right, uh, helping and develop the right strategy for um, like a vaccine, but then again, you have to go out and test it and ensure that it works, and, the, and so that takes time. Even if you have one developed fairly rapidly within a few months, to really get the data back on efficacy will probably take a year. Even with maybe a benefit of using artificial intelligence, it could help you analyze the data quicker, but it's still going to take time. So do you think there's are any areas ripe for technological innovation when it comes to fighting the spread of viruses? I think there's there's room for innovation and technology, better understanding of how they're moving, the viruses move and are transmitted through the environment from one person to another would go a long way. Maybe there's strategies from the aerosol standpoint or treating patients in some way um, that they don't, when they sneeze or cough, they don't make an aerosol or the virus or putting maybe topical uh, things you can put on your skin or in your nose would reduce the aerosol transmission. I think there's room for a lot of innovation, uh, and I, I hopefully uh, this outbreak will motivate more innovation to uh, have more tools in germ warfare than we've had before. So what steps has your university taken to help uh, uh, slow the spread of this virus? Well, all our classes have gone online for the rest of the semester, so we're not having classes together. And then we're trying to do most of our teaching in that remotely, either from home or from our offices. Uh, in, in our laboratory, we're limiting the number of people who can be in the laboratory at one time. Okay. And what is your most optimistic outlook um, of dealing with this virus? Do you feel like this is something that what weeks away from getting back to normal or is this something that we'll be dealing with for the coming months? I mean, based on what happened in China uh, in, in their interventions, I think we're looking really uh, to the end of April before we can be hopeful, unless we're somehow luckier. Is there any reason to believe that there's any difference between the strain here and the strain there? There's no evidence for difference in strains at this time. That may change as we get more information, but currently uh, we, we haven't seen, there's no data that I've seen that it would document that. Is there any other information that you think would be helpful for people to know about uh, dealing with the situation now? Uh, you know, I think one of the things uh, that, that may be uh, most useful is, is uh, 
trying to concentrate uh, on hands and disinfecting key surfaces without really overdoing it. You know, in our studies with hand sanitizers, one to three times a day seems to be adequate and only be strategic about it. If you're going out somewhere and coming back, you know, wash your hands, reuse a hand sanitizer. So, uh, and, and try to keep your social distances, like it said. I mean, those are really the things that we know work. Okay, great. Well, I appreciate your time, Dr. Gerba. I know you probably have a lot going on and I appreciate it. Sure. No, take care now. This concludes this episode of Sphera Now. For more content on topics such as these, we encourage you to visit sphera.com, S-P-H-E-R-A.com. While there, feel free to click contact and submit feedback on this podcast or suggest topics you'd like to see us cover. Thank you and have a great rest of your day.